Hey everybody, it's Catherine from Chakras and Cuss Words, and today I am here to talk about astrology and the history of astrology. In all honesty, the history of astrology goes so far. It literally goes so far and so deep that I can't cover it all, but I want to talk about some of the main aspects and some of the main I guess you could say history lessons that I personally enjoy and I want to share with you. So we all know that astrology has been around for decades, centuries. I mean, before Christ, before basically if there was a man on this planet, we guarantee he was sun gazing and he was moon gazing and he was looking at the stars and they were finding the patterns of the stars. So it's believed that astrology has gone back as far as 40,000 BCE. Um, There's remnants of astrology in Greece, um, the Babylonian era, and also in Turkey Astrology is basically all over the world. It is believed that since the the time of man, there have been people sun gazing and paying attention to the patterns of the stars and the celestial movements of the energy that the stars and the planets and the sun all align with. I mean, will we ever really know the first indicator of when somebody began to study astrology? Not necessarily. We do know that there's a difference between astrology versus astronomy, but we feel that many people have been studying this type of energy of how the stars and the planets and the sun become aligned and create patterns and how this energy affects the people here below. It kind of reminds me of that saying, um, as above, so below, or is it so above as, I think it's as above, so below, meaning whatever happens in the stars and whatever happens in the cosmic energy of the person or the planet, we tend to see it in areas of below, of areas of us and the internal energy, the internal energy of the mother planet, the internal energy of us. So I really find that astrology is pretty fantastic. And I want to talk about some of the things that they have discovered. So one of the um, ancient articles of astrology actually was not necessarily an article, but like a stone hedged, stone being type area. The Venus of La Salle is a 22,000 year old carving. And it was discovered in the Dordogne region of southwestern France. And it basically shows a woman. And it looks like she is looking at a crescent-shaped moon. I mean, this is only what they anticipate it is and also that um the at this crescent shape moon she holds a it like almost like kind of like in her hand right like this moon kind of like carving and then it also has 13 notches on the moon and some people believe that this is one for each month so it's almost like a lunar calendar right you know, it, did the calendar start in spring? Did the calendar start in uh, winter? We don't really know, right? And we don't really know how many months there were. But there was this this notion that people have been counting the days. They've been counting the months. They've been counting the years for a while. And they've been using such, such objects like the sun and the moon. So it kind of makes a lot of sense, right? And we know there's many different types of astrology. And that's something that I kind of want to talk about too. Um, 
here on this podcast and this episode. But one of the things that um, also stands out about astrology is the fact that it was so prominent, like all the way around the whole world. <laughs> like there's times where they have found things that resembled astrology and calendars in Australia, the Babylon. And what is also interesting is even in certain cultures, like certain religions where astrology was considered um, something that you don't practice. And I'm actually going to play you guys a clip of when they found um, some ancient symbolizations of astrology with the Jewish uh, temples and in Israel and how astrology was forbidden. So so while astrology was forbidden in um, modern Israel, we know that astrologers and historians have found areas that looks like astrology has been practiced. While the actual beginning or the start of astrology is a little bit un, I guess you could say, uncertain because astrology is believed to have started about 4,000 to 5,000 years ago, but there's even talk that astrology has been going as far as back as 20,000 years ago. When we see certain glymphics or certain carvings in stone, it kind of makes you think that there was some type of practice or some type of ritual that was centered on the star, especially the moon, especially the moon um, events and the leading up to full moons, new moons. It all kind of ties into the ancient wisdom of astrology. It is believed that astrology first originated in Iraq and was known as the modern science of the Babylonian people of the Babylon. And then it was traveled to Greece and Rome and areas where kings and queens then used astrology. And it was used as an area to create predictions and also used to create strategy towards leadership and increased possibilities. So it believes that Alexander the Great is the one who took the practice of astrology and shared it in Greece. And from then, the study of astrology continued to manifest to different areas of the world. It is believed that the Greeks, and this is why we have a lot of Greek mythology tied into the zodiacs, is that the Greeks actually were the ones who used the areas of characteristics and traits for each zodiac a little bit different than just predictions. So this is where we see that energy of the zodiac is through the Greek mythology. Astrology is undeniable. So let's get into the different types of astrology. Like we could go on for days, but I'm going to pick some of the ones that I think are a little bit the most interesting and also the ones that we might encounter the most. So we all know we have Western tropical astrology. That's the type of astrology that I basically use. But we also have Chinese astrology, which a lot of us are probably familiar with. And it is believed that Chinese astrology actually started um, back in the Shang Dynasty era, which was back in 1500 to 1050 BCE. And it was discovered from um, tortoise shells and also ox shoulder blades, some type of way that they would study it. They would actually use these tortoise shells and these shoulder blades. Um, when the Shang King um, would ask questions of the ancestors or of the area of the astrologer or the area of whoever it was that he was seeking guidance from, 
the they would apply like this hot iron to a bone causing it to crack and this was kind of like where the symbolism was kind of like the cracks of the bones it's kind of a different type of method i mean obviously this is ancient practices and it also showed the humanity of a relationship of that energy and also with the world. But most people know of how they practice astrology today. So the astrology for today um, was actually more of where it's for the year versus for the month or for, you know, a zodiac like that, their astrology is a little bit different. So each year has an animal representation. So there are 12 animals that rule each year. So like, for instance, I was born in um, 78. So I'm the year of the horse, but there's also like the year of the rabbit, the year of the snake. And that's kind of how they use these astrological calculations and interpretations to kind of like define certain traits or certain pathways for this individual that they are talking about. And of course, it's very different from Western astrology, but it still resembles the birthplace um, and also the date and the time. So it does have that similarity of Western astrology. Then we also have Central and South America astrology, and that goes back far, right? And I'm even going to talk about some of the Mexican um, astrology that originated from the area of Mexico in a little bit. So Central and South America, had um, they first were really known as um, areas that picked up the calendar, right? As we hear of Ecuador um, studying the equator of the earth and also um, the Mayans who had their calendar and Peru, um, the big, huge pyramids of Peru all had astrological traditions tied into their practices. So we know that as well as 365 days a year that the Maya used a calendar that represent 260 days of a sacred year. So it's like a devised combination of two special numbers. The numbers consisted of 13. The number of the lunar months in the year and 20 was the other sacred number, closed the numbers of the year that resembled the sun and the moon nodule cycle that used to be that energy that they would use, the patterns that they would use to predict eclipses. So they really were into the eclipses and they did a long study of the eclipses. So it's very interesting about how astrology fluctuates and there's no defined way that is right or wrong. And when I hear a lot of people talk about Vedic astrology versus Western astrology versus, um, sidereal astrology. Um, it's just basically what astrology, what study of astrology makes the most sense for you and which one you prefer using. So the recorded history of astrology that we know today was believed to originate in the Middle East, right? Um, and that's where we believe it has originated from. And a lot of people believe that the pyramids have a lot to do with astrology. And they are actually in areas where they are creating patterns with the sun, with the moon, 
with the planets. So it gets pretty out there. It gets pretty deep. The path to the next world, um, some people would say are what the pyramids resemble, that multidimensional area. The Great Pyramid of Giza was built over like 5,000, 4,500 years ago. And it's a huge tomb. And it's for the Pharaoh, Kahafaf, a king. And also it is known as a um, king's chamber. And it is aligned with Orion, which is a celestial energy. Home of the death of the god Osiris, perhaps to give the pharaoh a passage in his afterlife. So they really used astrology to kind of transition people over to the next life, to the next pathway, to the next energy, maybe the next dimension if we were going to get, you know, a little bit for mm, a little bit, a little bit uh, multidimensional, we would say maybe they used it as the next dimension to get them over to the next place, right? Um, One of the things that I want to say is we know that um, looking at the pyramids and the temples, it's all believed to be that energy that kind of ties us into God, that ties us into the universe, that ties us into the energy of what is next, what is our soul's energy going to receive after we pass, where are we going to go, what are we going to (laughs) do, how are we going to feel, are we going to be met at the entryway of God, are we going to be reincarnated, you know, None of these questions, are they ever fully answered? No, it's it's what you believe and what helps you keep faith and what keeps you inspired to keep going. So like I say, we have to remember that these are all philosophies. These are all either coming from a practice of religion or ancient times. Whatever works for you, works for you. So back in 1800 BCE, these clay tablets were found and they were almost known to have like this natural distinction. And this, I guess he was like a, um, astrologer or he wrote in his, um, astrological diaries that around 700 years, um, his name is Nicholas Campion, 700 BCE, they were passing on knowledge from father to son that the Persian occupation of the Babylon in 500 BCE is where they began to find a lot of reminiscence um, that they think kind of all took away in astrology. So in-depth. Also, the Nile in the sky to Egyptians is the stars of Milky Way, where it is believed that is navigated by the gods of the sun and the moon. So in Egypt, astrology is very, very big. And it's very big in many other cultures and many areas of the world. Also, Indian astrology, a lot of times before there's an arranged marriage, they will look up the Vedic astrology and look at the two um, soon-to-be-married couples' birth charts and kind of meet with an astrologer and see what blocks or what destiny paths they have. Is this an arranged marriage or a love marriage? But somehow an astrologer is usually tied in a lot with that culture and a lot with that energy. Um, So it is also believed that the Roman deity, deity, (laughs) um, 
possibly Mithras, is surrounded by 12 zodiac signs. And this is um, an ancient symbol that was found in Rome that it looks like almost like 12 zodiac signs of the 12 zodiac signs that we have today. So these tools have been known as very powerful energies. The earth spinning at a certain point with planets moving around it is causing these patterns that people have been studying for centuries. At first, astrology was very much put off as, no, this is just, you know, not really what we want to get into, put off as very unworldly and also very foreign to many parts of some of the um, people who first encountered it from different cultures, right? But most of the people who practiced astrology in the ancient times saw it as almost like the God's messaging. And a lot of people actually used astrology um, in some areas of life. And it was almost seen as an area, especially like with Greek myth- mythology and also with Roman astrology, that it was almost like an area that was for the gods. It was like for the, the rich. It wasn't a energy that was portrayed as kind of like, um, inclusive for everybody. It was very selective on who got to use astrology, who got to, um, study the stars, who got to hear the messages of the stars. It was for kind of like the area of the, the culture that it was almost like a hierarchy, right? Like, no, you couldn't be an astrologer because you were like a peasant. Or no, you couldn't speak the messaging of the stars because you aren't a king or you can't receive the messages of the gods because you aren't a king, you aren't a queen, you aren't at that caliber. So it kind of had a lot of... um of weird, you know, like hierarchy and very almost like royal aspect about it. So let's talk a little bit about um, what we believe in some of the cultures with religion. (laughs) So as a Catholic born, (laughs) we always heard the story of the three wise men who went and looked for the star of Bethlehem. And these astrologers, oh, I mean, wise men, found baby Jesus. And you guys already know that I think Jesus was not a Capricorn. I don't think, you know, Christmas and the Catholic Dictionary has already acknowledged they don't know Jesus's birth date, but they decided to go with Christmas because it um, was kind of around the transition of a lot of pagan holidays, I believe noble. So it was an easy switch to go from paganism to Jesus's birthday. I personally think Jesus might have been a Pisces. That's my possible alignment. A lot of people think that he was maybe an Aries for the start of the new year. Um, But I'm thinking maybe Pisces. I'm actually going to play you a clip about these three wise men and what we know, what day was baby Jesus born. So some astrologers actually believe that the Bible, the New Testament, shows a lot of astrology predictions and indications that astrology was used in the religion and also in areas of messaging. 
We know that baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And during this time, there was actually three wise men who were on the search of this baby born under the star of Bethlehem. So the story goes that three wise men traveled from the east to find the baby that was born under the star. And when they approached, they said, where is this baby that was born under the star? We have traveled to find him and we actually have traveled so we can worship him. Many believe this was the first time that it is noted in the Bible. The finding of Jesus was used through astrology. And I do believe that these three wise men were actually astrologers. And they offer this baby, who is now known as the Messiah, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is all to pay homage to him and acknowledge the profound leader that they think he will become and really begin the worship of Jesus Christ. While we may never know Jesus Christ's birthday, we have to understand what could this star possibly be, right? Was it a fallen asteroid? Was it a comet? Was it a shooting star? Was it a supernova? And most people think no, because the only people who saw this alignment were the three wise men. So it is believed that this conjunction was actually two planets, and the two planets were Jupiter and Saturn. In the 17th century, a astronomer named Johannes Kepler actually tried to answer this question. He believes that that it was Jupiter and Saturn the whole time. He believes that in the 16th century, he saw this conjunction. He even goes on to calculate that the last time this conjunction happened was in the year of seven. This is, I believe, the year of the birth of Jesus. And this conjunction created an energy that looked like a huge star, but in actuality, it was two planets conjoined together. Okay, so whatever you believe is right for you, if you believe Jesus was a Capricorn... (laughs) Jesus was a Capricorn and was born uh, on Christmas Eve. If you believe Jesus might be a Pisces, maybe Jesus is Pisces, whatever the notion is, right? But we both can probably agree that I think, and I'm sure you might think too, that these three individuals who found Jesus and went seeking for him were seeking him off of an energy of a star, right? An energy of the star. Why would they do that if astrology didn't make any sense? If astrology had no magic behind it, if it didn't have any energy behind it, why would they care about this big bright star and see who was born under it and who was born under this day? So um, Christians and people who believe in Christianity, for the most part, astrology is almost considered a no-no, something you don't really dive deep into. And it's not necessarily that it's it's a, a bad area. It's just because they believe that it brings that deviation or deviation or clairvoyancy, and it brings messages that should only be given by God. But how do we know the stars aren't working for God and aren't sharing the messages of God? But some even acknowledge that we are not worshiping the stars like as we would worship the God energy, but we are receiving messages that probably are aligned with God through astrology. So, But it is interesting because there are a lot of parallels between the Zodiacs and also the Bible that a lot of people are kind of not familiar with. So I wanted to talk about them and see what you think about this. And I want you to think to yourself, what what does this um, mean to you and what does this mean to you when you hear this area of the biblical studies versus the Zodiac studies. So humanity was given the Garden of Eden, 
which a lot of people feel resembles the Taurus. But it is tempted into sexuality by Satan, which a lot of people believe is the opposite sign of Taurus, making it a Scorpio. That Scorpio (laughs) resembles the area of Satan. Oh, Scorpios, don't get mad at me. Um, Also, there is a tempted sensuality about it. And we know that Scorpios resemble that eighth house, which has a lot to do with intimacy. And when we look at the Taurus on the houses and kind of that area of wealth and earth-like balance and that Jupiter energy, hmm, maybe. Okay. Also, to redeem humanity, the Virgin Mary, the Virgo, the Virgin, the Virgo, plays into plays into the way of giving birth to Jesus, to baby Jesus, the royal lion of Judah, which is known as the Leo. Ooh, could he have been born uh, during Leo season? Hmm, I don't think in the summer. Like I said, I think he's a Pisces. And the fisher of men known as the Pisces, who would sacrifice himself for our disobedience, otherwise known as sins, like the Paschal Lamb, and be resurrected like an Aries. Ooh, this is, this is in depth. And with the resurrection comes a new cycle of life. Something to think about. But on the other hand, we have the areas of the Old Testament expresses profound reservations about predicting and seeking to change the future, thereby surprising and basically acknowledging that the supremacy is of God, not the areas of the planets or the stars or the zodiacs. So many Christians and Catholics reject um, astrology, but it is very widely was populated in some areas of their religion and actually sometimes would be talked about. And there was even Christian scholars that studied astrology. So astrology, and I'm going to read this insert from the language of astrology, the secret language of astrology book, that astrology was also applied to explain epidemics such as the 1347 to 48 outbreak of the Black Death, which was attributed to the lunar eclipse in Libra that took place in 1345 just as Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn conjuncted with Aries, uh, Aquarius. Someone said Aries. Aquarius. And one of the um, famous astrologers, Dr. John D., used astrology to choose the coronation of when Queen Elizabeth would become queen. So like I said, people have been making predictions for very, 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 very long time. And this was Queen Elizabeth I back in 1527 to 1608. This prediction was made. So should we be predicting and making predictions off of astrology? Well, that's what astrologers say. Of course we should, right? That is the study of astrology. That is the area of reading the transits and the planets. So I am going to um, also talk about a little bit of the planets in a more depth podcast. But one of the things that I would like to say is as astrology has changed throughout the years, um, I believe... I believe that the reason why many of us are seeing a height of it right now is because of its popularity, especially with the pop culture, right? Astrology is super fun right now. 
super fun to, you know, talk about certain zodiacs, to have some um, pop culture tea with astrology tea and look at birth charts because it's so much easier. We have to rem remember that astrology is coming from the practice of basically mathematics and patterns. And back in the day to check somebody's planetary alignment, like birth charts and certain transits, all that was done by hand, but now astrology has become so easily acquired and in all honesty, so many people can actually do it. You know, they can go out and read their own birth chart. They could go out and read their family's birth chart and they can interpret it for what it means to them. Of course, there are certain rules that have to kind of go in with the zodiacs and go in with the the planets and the houses, but for the most part, you can have your own area of um, picking up what it means to be an astrologer, right? Or use astrology. So astrology has been known to have some famous astrologers, and I'm actually going to talk about a few. So um, one of the first astrologers I want to talk about is in the second century CE. Um, who is a Greek astrologer, astronomer, and astrologer who um, has a book or had work called um, Terra Tribilis. Oh gosh, I can't say these words. Terra Tribilis became the cornerstone of Western astrology. His work. Um, made this transparency of early astrological knowledge, and he was able to provide a comprehensive guide to astrology principles and techniques on how to like count it, right? And his name was Ptolemy, Claudius Ptolemy, Claudius Ptolemy, a Greek astrologer. You can look him up. And then we have Abu Mashar, who was an astrologer in the ninth century, also known as Abu Masar, Abu Mashar, a Persian astrologer who made significant um, areas of development of astrology during the medieval Islamic golden age. And he wrote numerous works on astrology, a lot, talking about um, different things different aspects, transitions, ways to use astrology. And one of his famous writings was The Great Introduction to Astrology. That was in the ninth century. Um, we also have Judeo Bontai, who was an Italian, Judeo Bontai, who was a astrologer, of the 13th century and also a mathematician. Like I said, astrology back then was not easy. Not everybody could be an astrologer. So for the people who actually spent their time becoming astrology, astrology majors or astrologers or people who really devoted their life for their the study, my hat is off to you because let me tell you, I would not be <laughs> reading birth charts if I had to do all this stuff by hand, right? But now it's a lot easier to do it, right? Now you can just do it on your own by Googling birth charts. You can look up the upcoming astrology dates. There's a lot of software. There's a lot of products, um, a lot of apps that people can use and websites to help them enjoy their love of astrology where it wasn't so hard, where it isn't so hard as in comparisons to back in the day. So we also have William Lilly um, was an English astrologer known for his expertise in Christian astrology. So here we go with the Christian astrology. And we have to remember that Christian astrology does tie into the Bible a little bit. So if you want to look up Christian astrology, go ahead. But I will tell you, there are some, um, you know, people who are very against it who are Christian, but depending on what works for you, and that's the difference between spirituality versus religions is for 
spirituality, you can judge what is right for you versus somebody telling you what is right for you. Evangeline Adams, she is a remarkable astrologer in all honesty. She literally took astrology to court. And I am going to play you guys a clip so you guys can hear this because I think her story is completely fascinating. I love it. She was um, an American astrologer who gained fame for having the most accurate predictions. And she basically advocated for astrology. When somebody tried to find her and arrest her for being an astrologer, she fought back and she took him to court. I have to share this with you. So the story of Evangeline Adams kind of goes like this. She was around in the new century. She's considered like a modern astrologer. She's really the leading lady of astrology for the U.S. And she was basically doing like predictions and horoscopes via radio for a very long time. And people fell in love with her. They tuned into her broadcast. So in 1899, Evangeline Adams takes this trip to New York. And she's all decked out. She's staying at the Windsor Hotel, which is a very prominent hotel and is known for being kind of like high end. And she decides to pull up the chart and do a prediction for the hotel owner. And what she predicts is that he is in immediate danger and he needs to seek some type of refuge. The hotel owner kind of laughs at her and he just, you know, this is crazy astrology talk. What are you talking about? But the next day, the hotel, the Windsor, burst into this huge fire with no rhyme or reason. And people are saying, oh my goodness, this prediction was true. Luckily, she was not hurt and she was safe. But this prediction literally blows up. Everybody hears about it. It's in the paper, the New York Times, like it's everywhere. Well, I don't know if it was the New York Times, but it's everywhere. And everybody wants to see her, find her, and get their future told. And that's when she starts broadcasting her radio show and people love her. So in 1914, she was actually arrested for a law of considered to be fraud by fortune tellers. And instead of pleading guilty and paying the hefty fine, she decided to take this to court and prove that astrology is real and is not fraud. And there is actually some science behind it, or there's some truth behind astrology, as one might say. So during the court proceeding, the prosecutors decide to give her a anonymous, anonymous birth chart and for her to actually read the birth chart and talk about it and come up with any predictions. So Adams is reading this chart. She comes up with the characteristics, the traits of this individual, but she also predicts that this individual is going to have an early death due to water. She doesn't go into too much detail about the actual death, but little did she know that this individual's chart was actually the judge's son, and the son actually had a recent death due to a drowning. So the judge was dumbfounded. He was like, wow, and he believed now in astrology, and he basically said, you are not guilty, and she got off. So Adams used her skills for chart reading and astrology to her benefit. Um, obviously, this law was very false, and she was able to prove that there was some truth to astrology. And she kind of saved the name for astrology, but, you know, there's always that talk about astrology isn't real, astrology is fake, and it's really up to what you believe. Do you believe it's real? Do you believe it's fake? That's kind of hidden in the person who is analyzing the astrology. In all honesty, her using her individual power of an astrologer to basically fight for the profession of astrology and continue to have a love and profession of showing people what astrology is all about. Another famous astrologer is Dane Rudhari. Ru 
Hira was a French-American astrologer and composer who wrote a lot about not only just astrology, but the spiritual aspects and perspectives of astrology and the interpretation. We also have Liz Green, a British astrologer and psychologist known to use this approach and has written numerous books where people have basically researched and um, been able to get examples where she used um, different significant events and um, stories that really kind of tied into certain figures and showed everybody how the principles of astrology could really become something that they see, right? Really see that it was much more than just predictions, but it had this overall balance. So it is very important to note that astrology, while it's not scientifically based (laughs) research, uh, the scientists often like to say, no, 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 no. Astrology is not true. We don't have any proof. We don't have any proof, right? So all these astrologers before didn't apparently show enough proof, right? Which I think is a bunch of bullshit, but you know, whatever. Um, they say it defies the law of physics and the laws of energy, but in all honesty, I think it, proves that the law of energy as above so below is factual. It's true. We can see these patterns. We can see this. And I want to talk about two of my favorite indigenous cultures and indigenous um, tribes or populations or communities that used astrology. So the Mayan astrology The Mayans had a more of a complex and very developed and technical astrological system. They studied not only the sun, the moon, the planets. They also studied all the celestial bodies is what's believed, even down to some of the stars. And it's believed that they saw patterns that made events happen here on earth and they use the patterns in the sky to portray certain areas as they develop the Mayan calendar known as the Tosolokin. Tosolokin was closely basically made through astrology. This calendar consists of 260 days and was used to determine many dates for various reasons, if it could be rituals, if it could be ceremonies, um, such as like religious ceremonies, right? Or religious religions, um, kind of rituals for their practice and spiritual aspects. They also use it for harvesting crops and they used it for their community, making their life through astrology and also making important decisions like, should these people get married? Um, <laughs> should this woman have a baby? So a lot of astrological glyphs and symbols in the Mayan culture shows high, high, high influences of astrology, of um, symbolism that refers back to the beautiful universe and the cosmos. And I, we, we don't know which tribe my dad came from, which indigenous um, area that my dad came from. We believe it's Mayan, my mom believes, but my dad doesn't really know. So I might do some like um, ancestral DNA and see if that works. Maybe I should make him do it, right? Okay, so Aztec astrology is similar to the Mayans. Um, it incor- they incorporated a lot of religion. And some people believe that they actually had a lot of um, profound destinies. And also like life paths were seen through the stars, the moon, the planets, and the sun. Um, a lot of the Aztecs had a big worship of 
the sun and the Aztec calendar was known as Tonapohali. Tonapohali was used for um, that area of determining what characteristics certain individuals would have and where their destinies would align with. And theirs too was considered to move at the rate of the 200 and 260 days, which was similar to the Mayans and was based on the movements of the stars that were similar to the Mayans. The Aztecs had um, specific dates that they worked with um, and they also associated them with certain rituals. So both of them used astrology towards agricultural, towards life and towards life cycles and towards um, the personalities that we kind of see like with the zodiacs. Now that we talk about, they use that in their culture as well. So I thought that was very interesting because um, I feel that in the Mexican um in the Mexican population, we're starting to hear more of astrology coming back up. Like, uh, I was doing a, like a little TikTok and my cousins in Mexico messaged me and they were like telling me their zodiacs. So I thought that was, you know, really cool that they knew their Western zodiacs. Um, so astrology has been around for years. As we see, many people have used it. Many people will continue to use it for centuries. It's not going anywhere. Um, it's something that it's just not moving. It's not going to leave. It's a it's a philosophy, it's a science, it's a practice that people love and they enjoy learning about it and they enjoy um, using it. So if you decide to dive deep into astrology, that's up to you. If you decide to use it here and there, that's up to you as well. But in all honesty, we are the ones who are going to place the history for what's next of the future of astrology and how we plan on using astrology and how we plan on sharing our messages of love of astrology to the community and to the collective. So really look at how can you use astrology? How can you use this practice in your everyday life, right? If it means not only reading the weather report, but also checking out what current astrological events are occurring, what is happening that might be a little bit dominant with your zodiac, you know, how can you plan towards a full moon ritual, sun ritual, or even praise a day of the week? For instance, if you want to get devoted into praying or paying homage to a certain planet or a certain aspect, what day of the week you could do, you know, each day of the week resembles some area of the planets. So we will get into the planets next. And I want to thank you so much for listening to Chakras and Cuss Words podcast. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Share this with a friend. And also check out the YouTube channel if you would like to support the channel or support these podcasts, head on over to chakrascusswords.com. Go pick out one of your favorite Chakras and Cuss Words t-shirts or products or sign up for a birth chart reading. And thank you so much for listening. See you guys around later. Bye.